0: Well, what about your story? What is the story of your life? Have you found meaning in the painful moments? Have you begun to see how perhaps God has been at work all along? I mean, it's human nature. We love stories. In fact, how many of you are Christmas film fans? You have a favorite. Okay, we're going to decide now and forever the best Christmas movie. All right, so by a round of applause, is it Elf? How about It's a Wonderful Life? Not so much. Scrooged. Uh, Let me see. Let me think of another one. Home Alone. Did I hear a white Christmas? A Christmas story. Or finally, Die Hard. Okay, well, all right, now we know. Now we know. (laughs) there's several others but I want you to think about for a moment the power of story I mean literally some of these films we just named we'll watch over and over and over year after year after year we know exactly what's going to happen but we actually think in stories we feel in stories we see stories it's because God is all about story Jesus would communicate the truths of his invisible kingdom by telling parables. And people with ears to hear and eyes to see understood and those with hardened hearts did not understand the message. But I think some of the searching that's happening in perhaps your heart or in our culture is sometimes we can't seem to find our place in the story. Where do you see yourself in your story, the story of your life? What is the message of your life? There's this beautiful passage in the scripture. I've referenced it several times this year. I'm just, I'm just enamored with this idea. Listen to this in Acts chapter 17. From one man, God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I mean, think about that for a moment. The God of the universe created each of us at the exact time in history and place on this planet that we had the best opportunity to find him. That we can entrust every person who's ever lived all those living now, all those to come, that there is a loving creator God who's actually put them intentionally right in the time and history and the place on the planet where they have the best opportunity to find Him. And do you see that about yourself? Do you realize that, that God has allowed you to live in this moment so that you might discover Him, that you might find your story intersecting with God's story? We looked at God's story last week. We, in fact, we went through the entire Bible in 30 minutes. If you missed it, you can go listen to it at our Facebook page. And then you're like, oh, now you know the gist of it. You don't ever need to read it again. That's not the goal. That is not the goal whatsoever. But the idea is to see the context of the story. See, sometimes we, we hear a story, and when we don't know the full context, we misunderstand. We misunderstand. And the analogy I gave last week was a Christmas carol. If you only heard the end of the Christmas carol, you would think, wow, Ebenezer Scrooge, a great hero. I will name my child after him. If you only heard the beginning of the story, you might think he was hopeless, a miser, never to be changed. You miss the story. And unfortunately, we do that all the time with the scriptures. We do that all the time in our own life, all the time with God, that we misunderstand or don't see the context. We don't see the bigger story. But every great story has three parts. There's a beginning, and then there's a climactic central event, and then the resolution. These three parts are part of God's story, but also our story. And last week we looked at how the scriptures begin very broad. We know God created. We don't exactly know the date Don't exactly know how. We know that God created, and as the scriptures move along towards the person of Jesus, it gets crystallized. And there's actually four eyewitnesses' accounts of the life of Jesus. And in fact, there's one week in the life of Jesus that's almost hour by hour account. This is the central event in history when God himself walked among us who taught with authority and brought healing to people and ultimately willingly sacrificed himself. In fact, that week is called the passion. The number one definition of passion in Webster's Dictionary a few years back was the sufferings and crucifixion of Jesus. See, Jesus is passionate about you, willingly giving his life for you. And as the scriptures continue, it gets more and more broad to the point we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know exactly how things will resolved. But ultimately, everything is pointing towards that central event and coming from that central event. And that's how we're to read the scriptures. But I want you to think about your life in three movements. The beginning, the setup, the drama that begins. And has there been a central moment, a a moment from which everything else comes Maybe it was in your pursuit of your career, your pursuit of family, or maybe that central moment was actually a tragedy. Maybe it wasn't something you were wanting at all. In fact, it could be a moment of betrayal or hurt or loss. Have you seen the movement in your story? Maybe you're not even to that climactic moment yet from which everything comes from. But this morning, I want you to consider that you are invited to bring your story into the story that God is writing. No matter what your story has been, the highs and lows, part of the beautiful part of this community is that you can come no matter where you might be spiritually, no matter what doubts you might have, no matter what choices you may have made. Even if your story feels too broken, even if you've had nothing to do with God, you're invited to connect your story to God's story. And to consider it, the central moment in the story of God and the story of the scripture, the moment when Jesus walked among us, split time in two in the Western world. How does your story interact and intersect with Jesus? And this is the Christmas season, and so it, it makes sense to, to talk about the Christmas story. Christmas is a signal flare at the beginning of the central event in history. And I want us to focus on three different people and their response to Jesus. And I want to just say from the outset that, that some of what we've heard about Jesus, some of what we've heard about the Christmas story, some of what we've heard about God isn't actually what is in the Scriptures. In fact, the first person I want to choose is the innkeeper. Anyone ever see a Christmas play with an innkeeper? looking at Joseph and Mary, telling them there's no room in the inn. Do you know that there is no mention of an innkeeper in the scriptures? That actually, what was happening in this moment was Mary and Joseph were on their way to Bethlehem where they had to go for this census. Everyone had to go back to where their families were from. And it was a nine-day trip, walking by donkey from Nazareth, To Bethlehem and once they get there there the story does tell us that there was no room for them and that word translated as in actually could also be translated as upper room I had a chance to go to Israel this past summer and had a chance to see Bethlehem in fact some of the people that lived in the village the part of Bethlehem where the shepherds came told me that they know why the shepherds came to their neighborhood Because people in their neighborhood talk all the time. (laughs) And so if God wanted a message to get to the world, just announce it right there. (laughs) But one of the things that I discovered is that the way that people would live in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago is they would have this home, but they would also have this, this cave. And it's in the cave that they would keep their animals. And so more than likely, all these people from Joseph's family had arrived, and they were already filling up all the places And there probably wasn't just one person, but maybe multiple people from the family and from the town saying, I'm sorry, there isn't any room in the upper room. There's not a place for you to stay with the rest of the family. And some would even say that perhaps it was an act of kindness by giving them the place where the animals are. That way Mary could be private. I'm sure if the innkeeper could tell us what things must have been like, I'm sure as he saw this very pregnant woman He may have thought to himself, you know, should I give up my bed in the upper room? Or how about this lovely cave with all the animals? See, the story of this innkeeper is one who missed the opportunity to intersect with the story of Jesus. I mean, how cool would it have been if if he realized what happened in his backyard, in the manger? That if he were to start to hear the stories of the shepherds and and begin to put two and two together, that maybe the Messiah was born. What if he came into the story later? Hey, by the way, Joseph and Mary, I'd like to meet your son. I'm the one who let you stay with the animals. And I want to meet the Messiah. But there's no story of this man. See, sometimes we miss the moments. Perhaps in your life, God has been doing things, God has been wooing you, God has been pursuing you, but you may have missed it. I mean, I'm sure this innkeeper was busy. I'm sure there was lots going on. It was all sorts of good reasons to miss the moment where he could have invited this family, the Messiah, to be born in his own home. See, sometimes the central event of our life isn't what happened, it's what we've missed. Now, there's another person in the story His name is Herod. This one also does not show up in the nativity set. (laughs) King Herod had been given power from the Roman government. And the scriptures tell us that three men from the east, astrologers, showed up to King Herod. They had seen a star in the sky indicating the birth of a king. And so they went to the one who would know. They went to the current king and said to him, We want to find the baby the star has been pointing us towards. Well, oftentimes when you have power, the last thing you want to do is give it up. And so when King Herod hears of this baby born to be a king, he feels threatened and decides to take matters into his own hands. He sends his men out to find this baby. But Joseph had a dream and took Mary and baby Jesus, who at this time may have been almost two years old, to Egypt to flee from the impending destruction and King Herod in his wickedness and his fear of losing power and control decides to have every baby boy two years and under killed in the town of Bethlehem. Now, you may be thinking, okay, that's pretty extreme. I I know people who are opposed to God, but they're not quite like killing babies uh, in their interaction with Jesus. But I want you to consider... do you have an open heart? I mean, how different would the story have been if King Herod had opened the doors to these Persian astrologers and, and actually helped them find Jesus and actually bowed before this baby who was born to be the king of kings. If he'd understood the prophecies that this kingdom was not to replace him, it was to replace all All kingdoms, an invisible kingdom that has no borders, that it's not advanced through weapons of war, but through faith, love, and hope. How different his story must have been. But see, some of us have trouble bowing down to anyone other than ourselves. We find the idea of miraculous intervention and angels and God being at work too fantastic to even believe. Some of us might even try to discredit others who claimed to have had experience with God through Jesus. See, sometimes the central event of our life actually are those moments when we resist God. But then there was Mary. She had an interaction with Jesus like no one else ever, (laughs) right? She had this moment where at the Young age of 13, 14, 15, in her culture, she'd already been given in marriage to a a good man, a godly man named Joseph. And we can't help but think she must have been excited for this prospect, only to have a moment, probably when she was getting water at the well in the town of Nazareth, when Gabriel shows up. An angel gets right in the way of all of her plans, basically saying, Stop filling out what you want on the registry, that God has something else in store for you. You, Mary, will be given a child. Now at this point, she's old enough to understand how that works, and she pushes back. How could this be? I am a virgin. And Gabriel, the angel, explains. You understand, this is the greatest miracle of all time. You will give birth to the Son of God. Now, if anyone has an opportunity to freak out, to rebel against what God's plan is, it could have been Mary. I mean, this plan affected her more than the innkeeper, more than Herod. And in fact, the scriptures tell us that Joseph even considered quietly divorcing Mary as an as a act of kindness, assuming the worst about Mary. She could have lost all of her hopes and her dreams, and yet she says to God, I am the Lord's servant, verse 37, 38 of Luke 1. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Think about this defining moment in the life of Mary. Willingly following after God, not sure how it would work out. And how amazing her life must have been. Once she said yes to this opportunity from God, she saw a little baby, grow into a boy with incredible wisdom, the story of him at the age of 12 in the temple, only to grow up to be a man who taught with authority, who brought healing to others, only to see him throng, surrounded by throngs of people, but then ultimately arrested and tortured and beaten and crucified. But then to see him rise from the dead. all oh, the ups and downs of Mary's life. Watching the Son of God, the one she's given birth to. What remarkable experience. What about you? Have you, have you missed moments God was pursuing you? Like the ones who refused a place for Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. Have you been opposed to what God might want to do in your life? Have you come to closure too soon on who God is or come to closure too soon on what God wants to do in your life? Or are you willing to have an open heart, and open mind? Because when you say yes to God, when you say yes to this intersection with Jesus, you are in for a wild ride. It will be filled with highs and it will be filled with lows. But I want us in the midst of this Christmas season not to get overwhelmed with the familiar. The films, the carols, the presents, the parties, the divinity. Whatever is part of this season for you, enjoy this season. But I want you to take some time, even in this moment, even in our time today and in the days and weeks to come, to to push past the familiar and don't miss the extraordinary the creator of the universe crashed into time and space and lived among us. And, and born of a, ba- born a baby, born of a virgin. I mean, if you think about it, God could have introduced himself to the planet in so many different ways. He could have come riding on a white horse and destroyed the Roman Empire. That makes more sense. Why come defenseless? And as The king of kings, he could have completely changed everything in that moment, changed the politics. But instead, he came to solve a spiritual dilemma by taking on evil and sin and death and actually facing death on the cross, taking on himself sin and evil. And yet, death did not win. Rising from the dead, the spirit of God with us. In the midst of the familiar, don't miss the extraordinary. But I want to just point out for a moment, I I think for some of us, this idea of the creator of the universe coming and walking among us and, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, it can be really confusing. I mean, is there three gods or is there one God? And you may have heard it described that there is one God represented in three persons. But it can still be confusing and even Perhaps difficult for us to fully understand and, and to trust God and to follow after him. Maybe you've had a thought similar to this expressed in this meme. How did this all work? Did Jesus pray? Are you there, God? It's you, Jesus? How did this work? Now, let me just say, if you think about it, it makes sense that the creator of the universe would be beyond description and that there would be miraculous things like angels and stars to make sure everything comes together just right for the central event in history i've never seen gabriel i've never met him i've never had an angelic presence scare me half to death but just because i haven't had that experience doesn't mean it's not true It makes sense that who God is is beyond our ability to understand, even though He uses words in the scriptures. The prophets use words. The writers of the Bible use words like Father and Son and Spirit to help us understand. Maybe some of these analogies will help you. Think about this idea that you are one person and yet two different people, you are a different person. For example, I am a father, but I'm also a son and I'm also a brother. One person represented in three types of relationships. Or think of the sun in the sky. It, it's one entity. It's a, it's a star, but it's also express, expression of light and heat. All three are true of the sun. Or H2O maybe you've heard this analogy, that it's one type of substance yet represented as ice and water and steam, three different forms. Or perhaps this one I saw recently. God expressed in a fidget spinner. (laughs) Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and if someone who knows how to use it, it looks like that on the right. One God and three persons, or maybe this ancient symbol of the Trinity. One symbol, yet three parts. See, for us, it's, it's hard to wrap our mind around it, but I don't want you to allow the mystery of God to keep you from trusting God. Perhaps describing who God is in terms of the relationship God has, the Father, Son, and Spirit, together in the diversity, yet in their unity. See, all things are from the Father, come to us through the Son, and in the Spirit. Or I've heard it described that the God the Father's breath is the Spirit of God, and His Word is the Son of God. And we, when we pray, we, we don't have to be confused. We can pray to God The Father in the power of the Spirit of God in the name of the Son of God. Or as I've heard it described, the Father gave the Son, the Son offered Himself on the cross, and the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus. Rick Warren, a pastor out of Southern California, says this, if God was small enough for you to completely understand Him, He wouldn't be big enough for you to completely trust Him. See, God is bigger than what we can even imagine And when we think of three and one, we think of math like one plus one plus one equals? We know, right? One plus one plus one (laughs) equals three. But see, in God's math, it's different. See, one times one times one equals one. See, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. One Creator God. I wonder, do you want to know God? Do you want your story to intersect with God's story? Don't let the hypocrisy of other people rob you from what God has for you. Don't let the way that others have misrepresented God or misrepresented Jesus keep you from experiencing the true God, from experiencing a relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you, even challenge you, if you're here and you're, you're not certain about God or Jesus being the Son of God. I want to encourage you to trust that verse that says, You were put on this planet at this time in history and at this place so that you might seek Him and find Him. Perhaps in this Christmas season, what if you were to seek God? What if you were to pray, God, if you're real, show me who you are? And I want to encourage you to read the Gospel of John. The word gospel means good news. Good news for all of us that we can have forgiveness and life. We can know God. And the Gospel of John is 21 chapters. So you can read three chapters a day for seven days. Read the eyewitness account of Jesus' best friend and determine for yourself, with an open heart and open mind, who is Jesus. You will be amazed as you open your heart and mind. But see, I, I think some of us it's easy for our culture to embrace Christmas, right? We love gifts and we love songs and we love hot cocoa and eggnog and and, and frankly, the baby Jesus is not threatening. I mean, he's not our baby. You know, our babies wake us up. Our babies interrupt us. But other people's babies are sweet. You can visit them and leave. And maybe you're like, Ricky Bobby, who prayed to the eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. See, baby Jesus doesn't interrupt our lives. Baby Jesus doesn't get in the way of what we want. But see, the king of kings, this baby who grew to become the king of kings, he sacrificed on our behalf and invites us to follow him. And when we say yes and we follow after him, we, we allow God's forgiveness to come over our hearts and lives, when we say, I need what you did on the cross to count for me, then when we follow Jesus, actually, Jesus tells us that every day we're to take up our cross, every day we're to die to ourself. And remarkably, when we lose our life in following after Jesus, when we lose our life in serving other people, that's when we find life. I wonder how has your story interacted with God's story? There's so many beautiful descriptions of who Jesus is. Eyewitnesses who encountered Jesus alive after the crucifixion. And they describe him so differently than just a a great teacher or a healer or a martyr. Listen to this passage. It's a long passage, but I want it just to saturate your heart and your mind. It's from Colossians. I want you to hear how Jesus is described. So much more than the baby Jesus. Listen to this. For Jesus has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Christmas is a celebration of God with us. And God, as expressed in the person of Jesus, the Son of God, lived a perfect life and ultimately gave up his life for you and for me but he didn't stay in that tomb. Not only did he walk alive among us, but he sent his spirit to live among us. God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the creator of the universe, three persons, one God. One final illustration that I hope might help. If you are an author or you like to read, uh, maybe you've read a book where the author has put herself in the story. And really, a, a, a work of literature, a book, a story, when written, includes elements of the author and all the characters. The good decisions, the bad decisions, some of which are inspired by real things that happened. I want you to consider that God is writing a story. And we are in the story. All of us have been created in the image of God and the Spirit of God is actively pursuing us to restore us, forgive us, and heal us. And God wrote himself into the story. His name is Jesus. God, the author, is outside of the story, but he wrote himself into the story. God is the author of creation. He wrote himself into the story as Jesus and his spirit influences his characters, influences us. What's your story? How will you respond to God's story? Can you see those moments in your life where God has been pursuing you? Can you see those moments where you've missed? See, see those moments when you've resisted? And if you're here and you've said yes and you've embraced God's story and becoming part of God's story through Jesus, then you and I have the opportunity to articulate our story, to share our story. See, there are people all around us who need hope, desperate for faith and love, and we can share how we've experienced that in Jesus. And So I want you in this moment to consider your response to a loving God who came and walked among us. Heavenly Father, I would just ask in this moment that you would give us the courage to take whatever next step you placed on our hearts. God, we sing about shouting forth your glory and your praise. And in essence, it just means telling others about how good you are, telling others about how faithful you've been. God, may we be people who allow our story to intersect with your story. May we be people who help others connect their stories to yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.